Good morning. Happy Father's Day, dads. Oh, wow. Is that all we got? I know it's 9 o'clock. I know everybody's tired. I know you have big plans today, but happy Father's Day. That's a little bit better. You know, I, I love Father's Day. I really do. And uh, we have done some wild things in the past. And I know, I know if you've been with us for several years, these are not normal Father's Day for us. We don't have McDonald's breakfast burritos and sausage biscuits for all the dads and Mountain Dews and, and Diet Mountain Dews. But just because we don't have those doesn't mean this is any less special. We still love you. We've done some wild things. Why? Just because we could. That's why. Dads, do you need any other reason than that to do something stupid off the wall? No, you just don't. I rode a Harley Davidson down the center aisle up onto the stage for my first, one of my first Father's Days here. And there was a stained glass window in the back of the stage. And it was a Harley fat boy. And it was steps. And it was a ramp. And I hadn't rid a motor, rode a motorcycle since I was maybe 18 or 19. It was dangerous. I, I could have wrecked a $20,000 bike, gone through a $75,000 stained glass window, and broke a few bones. But I didn't. Just a Father's Day kind of thing, right? We, I taught one year from a hot air balloon and a couple hundred feet in the air. And, and I'm doing teaching. And Shelly Mostel, our creative arts pastor, has this camera. And she's leaning out the back of the hot air balloon, not tethered in, nothing, just trying to get the shot, because it's all about the shot, right? And so that was an interesting one that we did. I got to go behind the scenes in Gatorland in Florida and wrestle some of the alligators and be inside some of the pens with them, and we did some teaching moments there. That, that was pretty interesting. We went whitewater rafting uh, in West Virginia. I got to stand on the edge of the boat, and we filmed that as I was teaching from the end of one of those rafts. We went hiking and camping at Red River Gorge. Just great teaching moments. Again, no reason except to have a little bit of adventure as a dad. Today, though, today might be the most dangerous thing I've ever done for Father's Day. Are you ready? My wife is co-teaching with me. Now... My wife, Joellen, sitting over here right now. Um, I mean, this could go really badly for me. I'm just saying, you know, and I may never get to sleep in the bed again um, after today, but where are those alligators when you need them? I mean, those moments were a little less scary. No, she's, she's going to do great. Dads, I just want you to know that we love you. I believe in you. I know how tiring and difficult it is to be a role model to our kids. You know, because it's the same for all of us as dads to try to help, help them have good wisdom and direction to go down the right paths, to provide for them, to protect them. And I know that you can go the distance as a dad. I know that you can, but I know you can't do that without people cheering you on. I know you can't do that alone. I know it doesn't work all by yourself. You need the support and the encouragement and the cheerleading of people around you. Would you do this if you're not? Dad, stay seated. Everyone else, will you stand up? Stand up with me. Everybody that's not a dad, stand up. Will you all just give a big round of applause for all the dads? Come on, a little bit bigger round of applause for all the dads. 
Dads, we love you. Thanks. You can grab a seat. We love you. We really do. And, and by the way, Matt, you're a dad. Your wife is going to give birth in you know, a couple of months. So let's just get that straight here, all right? You know, uh, we love you. Fatherhood is a God creation. He even presents himself as a father for us so that we can know how to love and respect and follow him. I, I also realized, like Charlie had said, that, that sometimes when we talk about dads and we focus in on fatherhood, it's not always great for some of us. Because maybe for you, your dad wasn't there when you were growing up. And you still have scars and open wounds and pain that comes from that. Or maybe your dad has passed. And Father's Day brings up all kinds of just emotional heartache for you. And, and I'm in the middle of that right now. Anybody on our staff will tell you I cry every time I talk about my dad because just so, so emotional for me to talk about him. And what that tells me is how important dads are for all of us. Dads, how much you're needed. Because if you didn't have one, there's a hole there. If you had a great one, you have a great example. But if they're gone, there's a hole there. That tells me the importance of fatherhood. So don't take that for granted. I was reading these past couple of weeks about fathers and, 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 and kind of what's out there on the internet. And one site said this, there is a crisis in America. It's the absence of a father in our kids' lives. I thought, whoa, that, that's kind of interesting, Right? Somebody actually recognizes that because fatherhood is not respected in our current culture. So somebody's noticing this and seeing this. They said one in four, uh, 18.4 million children are affected. One in four are without a biological step or adopted father at home. Now, God created us as families. He knew the importance of that. He knew what had to happen inside a family relationship and that our kids need both the mother and the father to be healthy in those relationships. He goes on to say this. Uh, research shows when a child is raised in a father-absent home, they are affected in the following ways. Four times greater risk of poverty, more likely to have behavior problems, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit crime, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse drugs or alcohol, and two times more likely to drop out of school. That's sad. And that's something that we can change. And it's something that we need to change. Again, God just, just puts it out there as him as a father and how important that is that we can look to him if our earthly fathers aren't there but our earthly fathers need to be there. And if you're a man and you have kids on this planet, you need to take that seriously. You just do. One of the roles of a father is to teach our kids what the important things really are in life. Like Steelers over Bengals. I don't know. The really important things in life. To help them gain perspective on how to live. To help them gain perspective on what to avoid. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9 says this. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instructions. Wait until you learn from them. What you learn from them will crown you with the grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. 
Now, if you could tell your kids, whether you have them or not, if you could tell your kids or future kids just one thing, what would it be? Just one thing. What would it be? Somebody tell me. That you love them. Man, nothing more important than verbalizing that love for your children. They need to feel that and see that and know that. Somebody else, what would you tell your kids if you had just one thing to tell them? Somebody has to have something to say to them. Maybe that's our problem. We don't know what to say to our kids. Jesus loves them. Man, follow God in everything. Follow God because that's where you get your morals and your values and your principles in life. Let me be an example of that. Teach them the important things in life. Dad's your role and your advice and your influence. It will be felt whether you see it right now or not. Whether you ever see it in your kids' lives or not, they remember. And they're trying to figure out life. They need your influence to do a good job with that. Now, I asked for some dad quotes and uh, on Facebook several weeks ago, and we got some really interesting things sent into us. And I want you to watch this video and listen to Charlie as he sings this Keith Urban song and the quotes coming up on the screen. And I say the same things he used to say but I even find myself acting the very same way I tap my fingers on the table to the rhythm of my soul And I jangle the car keys when I'm ready to go When I look in the mirror, he's right there in my eyes Staring back at me and I realize the older I get, the more I can see How much he loved my mother and my brother and me And he did the best that he could And I only hope when I have my own family That every day I see a little more of my father and me There were times I thought he was being just a little bit hard on me. Now I understand he was making me become the man he knew that I could be. And everything he ever did, he always did with love. And I'm proud today to say I'm his son. When somebody says, I hope I get to meet your dad, I just smile and say, you already have the older I get, the more I can see How much he loved my mother and my brother and me And he did the best that he could And I only hope when I have my own family That every day I see a little more of my father in me in my eyes, he's in my soul, my hands, my pride. When 
I feel alone, I think I can't go on. I hear him saying, son, you'll be all right. Everything's going to be all right. The older I get, the more I can see. He loved my mother and my brother and me. And he did the best that he could. And I only hope that when I have my own family, every day I see, oh, I hope I see. I hope every day I see a little more of my father and me. A little more of my father in me. Every day I see, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> there are some great advice in those quotes, aren't there? You know what stuck out to me is how much the parents look like their kids. Now, you may not know all those people that, that had those quotes. I, I'm looking at Sharon Cruy, and she looks identical to her granddaughter. And, and I'm looking at, at, at um, you know, uh, Mr. Daggs, and he looks identical to his son. And I'm looking at, at Jason Klee going, wow, there's no question where you come from. You know, the, 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 the looks that are passed on, not just the looks, but the things and the quotes and the meaning behind them that's passed on. Never quit something you started. Man, what great advice for our current culture. When you can't find anybody to work anywhere right now. Never finish something you started. My sister put... Have the grace and compassion. My dad said this to her. The grace and compassion to still love and forgive someone when they have wronged you. That's straight from Ephesians 4. And I don't know why he didn't tell me that, but he didn't. And I'm the one that needs it because she's compassionate and forgiving. I'm the one that needs that advice. Kill them with kindness, Babsy. I mean, what a great advice to pass on to your kids in a world that's angry right? What you teach your children, you also teach their children. Do you realize that? Do you realize that what you're doing, how you're leading, how your kids see you will be passed on to their kids? So important. Right now, we're going to listen as Joellen comes and talks a little bit about her dad. Yes, Scott Swellbar, you should be very afraid. <laughs> I've taken years of abuse on this, from him on this stage, mostly having to do with my cooking. But in light of it being Father's Day, I've decided just to take it easy and on, on him and, and not get that revenge. Um, although you might have noticed he hasn't really talked about my cooking in several years, I don't think. And... Uh, that's because I just stopped cooking. <laughs> yeah. 
So I have to admit that growing up, I was the biggest daddy's girl. Everywhere my dad went, I was right there with him. And I remember him being the king of the dad jokes. <laughs> he always had a joke to tell. Now, in full disclosure, the jokes that he told when I was a kid would probably go over like a lead balloon these days. But just in case he can hear me tell, him, uh, tell you about his jokes, just laugh anyway, okay? <laughs> uh, so I would watch and listen as he would meet people. And one of his favorite things to do and to ask them was if they wanted to see his pride and joy. Well, of course, I thought he was talking about me. And of course, they said, sure, I'd love to see your pride and joy. So he would pull out his wallet and he would pull out this picture. I'm not even sure if those are still brands these days. <laughs> uh, of course, they, they got a kick out of that. And then my dad would say, all right, all jokes aside, let me show you a picture of my kids. This picture comes out. <laughs> uh, so now if my mom was with him, she, he would always introduce her as, this is Rosalind. She's my first wife. She was his only wife. I'm sure that would just uh, confuse people these days. But then he would get to me and he would say, this is my beautiful daughter, Joellen. She gets her looks from her mother because I still have mine. <laughs> he had many more one-liners for sure, um, but those were just some of my favorites that I can remember. Now, I, of course, called him dad, but if you've been around this church for a while, you might actually remember him as Indiana Charles. Because years ago, he was working for a children's orphanage, and um, he would come here to RVBS to raise funds for the orphanage. And the kids would all call him Indiana Charles. Now, they called him Indiana Charles for a couple reasons. One, he was from Indiana. <laughs> and the other one was um, he always wore a hat, like Indiana Jones. Several years ago, my father passed away, and now I get to wear his hat. That's him. That's my dad. <laughs> my father, Charles Arthur Grubbs, he was a very visionary person. His motto was to always look past your current situation, to look down the road to the future to see what the possibilities were. In fact, later in his life, when he became a missionary to India, he would use a wooden giraffe as he would travel to village to village and speak. Um, he would use this giraffe as a, an example to explain his motto to these people, to always keep your head up high, look past your current situation, look down to the future. And um, I, I, I read this in a book recently, and I also saw it in a video, and I watched it probably a thousand times, and it's a book written by Bishop T.D. Jakes, and he talks about giraffes and turtles, and he says, giraffes and turtles, they occupy the same space, but they don't have the same view. 
the giraffe can be in the same geographical location as the turtle, but the giraffe eats from the tops of the trees and the turtles move through the grass. And what ultimately happens in the lives of people today is that we eat on the level of our vision. He goes on to say that the giraffe has a 20-pound heart. Now, he has that heart so it will pump blood up to his nine-foot neck so that he can keep his head upright. But if the giraffe lowers his head down to the level of the turtle, he loses his consciousness and he'll pass out. God built you to be tall. And when you were built to be tall, you will endanger your position if you lower your perspective. I thought that was great. You were built to be tall, and when you are built to be tall, you will endanger your position if you lower your perspective. I watched my father live by this same theory over the years. He took several churches who had leaders and people who had the perspective of a turtle, and he led them to a brighter future. In Greenville, South Carolina, he guided a group of 29 people that were meeting in a house. Um, they were having church in a house. And he encouraged them to relocate to an area where he saw great potential for growth. Now, of course, there were a lot of turtles that complained. They grumbled and they said, you are crazy to move out there. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's out on a country road. Does any of this sound familiar to some of you? It's exactly the same situation as what's happened, how Community Christian Church started with some very visionary people. Well, today that church in South Carolina has a beautiful campus with a large growing group of Christ followers, and they are in the middle of a very populated area. But you see, my dad used his long giraffe neck and he saw that potential years before it came to fruition. Well, several, several years after that, um, he took a ministry at Antioch Christian Church in a tiny farm town of Washington, Indiana, which just happened to be my mother's hometown. Now, Antioch was a tiny little church, and it was in the middle of a cornfield, nothing else around it. You really had to, to want to get there to find it. In fact, my dad got lost on his first day of, uh, of um, preaching. <laughs> uh, but uh, so that little town, that little church in the cornfield was also surrounded by a cemetery. It had been there for years. So it was very sentimental to a lot of different people, including my family. You see my grandparents, they were married in that church. My mom and dad, they were married in that church, and Scott and I were married in that church. And it was a congregation of about 70 people who had generations of family members uh, that still attended there. And they also had a lot of loved ones buried in the cemetery outside. Well, my father, in his long giraffe neck, he helped them to see that being in that location there in the cornfield that there was no way that they were going to be able to grow. And in fact, being surrounded by a cemetery, eventually they would die. Of course, as always, there were some turtles that spoke out against it. 
But mostly, they were a great um, group, a very dedicated body of believers, and they understood what they needed to do. They needed to sacrifice their sentimental attachments to the building and relocate to be better able to carry out God's commissions. And several years later, after they relocated, that church of 70 grew to be about 1,000 people. And that's just a couple of many, many examples I could give you about my father and his long giraffe neck. It's been interesting since my father passed away at how many giraffe moments that I've had personally. I believe these moments have happened because it's my dad sending me re reminders to look past my current situation, look to the future, just like he had taught me as a child. The first giraffe moment I had was the day that I got back home after his funeral. And as you can imagine, I was pretty upset, and I was crying. And my poor, um, I mean, my sweet little sensitive dog, Mocha, she jumped up on the couch, she licked my tears away, and then she jumped down and ran to her toy basket. I figured she just wanted me to play with her, but my dog has a lot of toys. She spoiled just a bit. And she kept digging through that basket, kept digging and digging. And the next thing I know, she ran back to me with a little pink giraffe. I really felt a sense of calm that day after that. I just knew it was a reminder from Dad. Another time, just a few days before the anniversary of his death, I had planned to meet my mom and my brothers at the cemetery. And again, I was pretty upset, pretty emotional. But on the way there, a strange, things, a strange thing happened. My car made this really weird detour to follow a yard sale sign, <laughs> which if you know Scott and I, <laughs> that's pretty typical. But what, what do you think I found at that yard sale? You guessed it. <laughs> One of the tallest giraffes at that point that I had seen. So that was uh, another uh, sign from my dad, I felt. I really felt at peace that day at the cemetery. But the most recent giraffe moment that I've had was really just this past week. You see, I've started a new job, and it's been a little bit stressful. Um, <laughs> uh, last week, as you know, it was super hot, and my company vehicle that I was traveling in had no air. So I get to my, my customers, I'm stressed, I'm super hot, and I'm thinking, am I, am, can I do this job? I don't know if I can do this job, I'm, I'm just not sure. I walked into the building, and the first thing I saw standing in the lobby of this building was <laughs> this massive giraffe that had a hat on that even looked like one that my dad wore. So again, I knew that that was a sign for my dad telling me to look past these stressful days of learning a new job and to look ahead to the future and what that job could mean for my future. Now, I've also had some turtle moments. People trying to discourage me from following my goals and dreams. Some coming right out and saying, you could never do that or that's impossible. It can't be done. But following my father's example, I never let them stop me from pursuing my goals. Now, over the years, Scott and I have tried to encourage our kids to ignore what the turtles were whispering in their ears, but instead 
look up to God because their Heavenly Father knows their future, and he has big plans for them. Now, I've talked bad about the poor little turtle, <laughs> when in fact there's nothing wrong with the turtle because he's just giving an honest report from his perspective, right? But don't let the turtles bring you down to their level. You see, the turtle cannot reach up, so you cannot explain to a turtle a giraffe decision. In the book of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Today, I encourage you to teach by example. Dads and moms, your children, they're watching and listening so much more than you realize. You keep your head high like the giraffe. Look to the future and follow God's plan for your life. What a great job, Joe. She did awesome. Her dad was an incredible man and, and, uh, and really was a, a visionary in, in so, so many ways. You, you know, when, when I think about kind of how this, this plays out for me and my life and, and, and what it means for me and my dad, when I put that out there on Facebook uh, about give me some dad quotes, one of my former pastors who's probably around 90 years old, commented on my Facebook quote, and he said this, Ken Swabar, that was my dad, was a great Christian witness and a true friend. He disciplined his children as they needed it, just as God instructs. And that's from a guy named Hoyt Allen. He obviously missed the fact that my mother never let my dad discipline me. And so somehow he missed that point. I don't know how that was, but he just did. You know, picture of, that's my dad and I when, when I, obviously I was a little younger there. And yes, I had hair. And, you know, my dad was just incredible. He, he really was. I, I love him. I mean, he's been, been in heaven since 2004. But the things that he taught me are still strong in my life. You know, you, if, has anybody watched the, uh, the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that's on and you see the the force is still there with him, and, and it's still active in his life, even though he's tried to put it away. Those things are still strong with him. The things my dad taught me are still strong in me. He was seriously one of the most godly, integrity-filled people that I've ever met, and that wasn't just my opinion. Our neighbors, his co-workers, the churches that he served at all said the same thing, and one of the things that sticks with me from my dad is this quote that he loved and that he lived by. And it says this, live pure, speak true, right wrongs, and follow the king. And in parentheses, he would always say the king Jesus. Because that's how he lived. That was his life. My sister made that for me for Christmas a few years ago. And my dad wrote to her when she had moved out of the house and moved to Baltimore, Maryland, wrote to her this exact quote and said, if you follow this, your life will be good. And I step back and go, man, that's just so powerful uh, in my life. That's a quote from Tennyson, but it's exactly what I think about when I think about my dad. 
is exactly what I would love and I hope I have passed on to my kids so that they can pass on to their kids. It's great godly advice and godly morals and godly values and a godly purpose. And what would change in our world or in our personal lives if we followed this quote? What, what would change? Live pure. What would change if we decided to follow that? I'm not even sure we know what purity means anymore, certainly not in our culture. Purity is this, according to the Internet. Purity is if you want to please God, you desire to please God in your life by fearing Him, worshiping Him, obeying Him, cherishing Him, and loving Him. Number two, you choose to live transparently. In other words, everything you do is an open book. People can see it. There's no hiding anything that you do. Number three, your actions affirm what is good. And number four, you love others and stay humble. Think about your home. If this is how you lived in your home, what would change with you? What would change with your spouse? What would change with your kids? Everything would change. Because you'd be living in a way that was honoring God and honoring your kids and honoring your spouse. Everything would change. What would change in your city? Man, we could change a lot. What would change in your family? It would be such a different culture if we simply lived pure. What about speak true? I mean, in the middle of what seems like a political debate, no matter who you are, where you are, or when you are, where you feel like you can't speak anything without being attacked, whether it's true or not true, it's just a negative culture with everything anybody wants to say. You get blasted from absolutely all sides. It's hard to speak truth. But you know what? I still want to speak truth. I still want to speak what's right. I still want to stand up for the things that I believe are important. It's not what people want to hear, and it's not what's easy to hear, but it's what's true. And I know truth is a subjective kind of thing, right? It, it, it just is. But teach your kids biblical truths and values. That's our guardrail. That's where it hits the road. Teach them to speak those truths in love. Deuteronomy 6 says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That means everything you do, you need to have these values posted, these truths posted because they're so important. And then it says right wrongs. How many of you want to right wrongs? Or how many of us want to keep walking right on by? We talked about that, about the shooting at Walmart a few weeks ago. Said everybody just wants to walk on by, not get involved, not put themselves in the middle of anything. Now I'm just going to tell you, we need to step up to the plate and right the wrongs that are happening around us. Now, I'm not saying put yourself in danger, but I'm saying stand up, get involved, be the person that goes out and tries to make a difference. 
One of the problems with who we are today is we think whatever you want to do is okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody's beaten up, leave them there, walk on past, don't help them. It doesn't matter if, if you want to steal from somebody or you want to grab something somebody else has or you want to run into somebody else's car because you're angry at them or shoot someone because you're angry. Listen, it's time for us to right wrongs, to stand up for what's right to stand up for godly values. Jesus said this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. This is the guy that should have stopped and helped him. This is a religious guy. This is a godly guy. So to a Levite, another godly religious leader, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, an enemy, somebody that you would never imagine to help, as he traveled, he came to where the man was and he saw him and he took pity on him and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring an oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. This guy had no reason to help the guy that was beat up alongside the road, yet he did it. Because he was making a difference. Because he wanted to right the wrongs that were done. That means that we need to help those in need. We need to stand up for what's right. We need to love the unlovable. We need to teach our kids to be the good Samaritan, not the high religious people walking by on the other side. And the last thing my dad taught me was to follow the king, and that's Jesus. Matthew 22, we talk about this all the time around here when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the message that we need to pass on today. That's the message that our kids need to hear. Love God and love people. Because that's the only thing that's going to change them and change our culture. To love God and love people. Again, I know some of you are struggling with Father's Day today. I get that. I get um, the fact that we struggle because maybe our dads weren't good. But listen, you have been adopted. No matter who you are or how your life is, you have been adopted into God's family. You have been adopted as a child of the King. Sierra wrote this in the video. Dad has impacted my life since he first came into it. I was six months old and fast forward to when I was two and he took me in as, uh, he took me in as his. He adopted me and gave me his last name. And that stage in my life, I never understood the impact that it would have on my life. But looking back, my dad has taught me so many valuable traits, values, and lessons. The most important one, I think, are unconditional love and the lesson that you are never too old to need or ask for help. I'm so incredibly blessed that the Lord put Scott Strosian in my life and gave me the best daddy I could have ever hoped for. 
Friends, that's exactly what God has done for us. That's exactly what communion reminds us of. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Can I have one of those, please, Lord? That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We celebrate the fact that we're free. We celebrate the fact that we're forgiven. We celebrate the fact that we're loved. No matter who we are or what we've done, your Heavenly Father loves you. Communion is interesting. A little piece of bread and some wine, right? It's interesting. But these are remembrances. These are memories. These are object lessons to never forget what God has done for us. I wear a ring on Father's Day that was my dad's. Same size fingers. It's interesting what happens to me when I put this on. I immediately feel his presence. I immediately remember That's what communion should be for us. We should feel God's presence and we should remember how much he loves us. Will everybody take one of these out, please, and open the bottom, the part with the bread. Again, Jesus is sitting around that table and he said, listen, I want you to remember this. Here are the object lessons. The bread represents my body, which is about to be broken for you. Can we take this together, please? Then open the other side. He said, I'm going to pour my life out for you. My blood is going to flow. They understood how important blood was, that it represented grace and salvation and freedom. He said, drink this to remember me. Let's pray. Father God, today I pray for everyone in this room that we can remember that we are loved and we are adopted into your family. God, thank you for the presence of great dads in our lives. And God, please heal those that have troubled pasts and troubled childhoods and troubled dads or absent fathers. Bring them some peace. May they find hope in you today. And it's in Jesus' name.